Welcome to the Lives of Courage podcast with me, Jessica Stong. Each week, we'll look at ways to choose courage every day, as I know even the smallest acts of courage matter. Through inspiration and action, we can grow into who we are truly meant to be. So welcome. I'm so glad you're here. I was a little confused about um, technology. Here we are. I'm so happy to be with you. I have some fun things to talk about today. Super excited. You know you can also ask me questions here uh, or um, email me hello at jessicastone.com. Follow me on the social medias, Facebook Lives of Courage, or also on the Instagram. So um, I am always here for you, and I'm so excited to talk to you about some questions I received. Uh, the first one being, oh, I love this one because you guys know this this question is near and dear to my heart. So I'm just going to start with that. I'm so tired. Any recommendations for not feeling so defeated all the time? So I want us to look at the experience of tiredness in the body, the feeling of tiredness. And this will come in play later on in our conversations. Um, And so I really want you to feel So often, we are cut off from emotion and we are cut off from physical sensations. And I did not fully understand the difference between emotions and physical sensations until I was diagnosed with an autoimmune condition and really learned the difference between feeling physically tired and being and feeling like cognitively exhausted or cognitively tired. Here's the deal. We know that if you were using that sweet prefrontal cortex, right? And using it, asking yourself to use it all the time. And sweet friends, if you are dealing with challenges in your life, if you are virtual schooling, if you are like taking care of aging parents who have health conditions, if you are dealing with uh, a spouse who's having a heart, anything, if you're trying to change what you yourself are doing as well, you're going to call on that prefrontal cortex and you are going to experience cognitive fatigue. Think about it. Anytime that you've decided that you want to change what you eat, by the end of the day, you're more likely to lose control, right? You're you're more likely to eat things that you normally wouldn't eat or don't want to eat because you're fatigued cognitively. You've been using your brain all day. That's, you guys know why I love having a protocol so that on purpose, you decide with your prefrontal cortex ahead of time what you're going to do or what you're going to eat or what you're going to do on your daily schedule, and you don't have to rely on your prefrontal cortex 24-7, so you reduce the experience of cognitive fatigue. And I want you to start, when you become aware of your thoughts and emotions and actions you take, you are more mindful of your experience in the world, of what's happening in in your body and in your mind. 
and you will come to understand the difference between physical body fatigue, physical body tiredness, and being tired in your brain, right? And I think this is such a fascinating, fascinating concept to explore because we just decide that it's, it's, we're exhausted and we don't look at the difference. And we don't recognize what our brain does when it's fatigued versus what our body needs when we're fatigued. And so I love this. So this question, I'm tired of the time, what do I do, is such a great one. So I would, and then they followed up with a, a comment about defeat. And so often our brains say, I am physically tired or I am cognitively tired. You need to know the difference because your actions that you take, the thoughts you have about that will be different. But let's say, let's, let's, for the purposes of this, we're saying you're physically tired. You're taking care of a aging parent. You're taking care of a child. You're exhausted. You're taking care of someone with COVID. You're exhausted or you yourself and your body is saying, I cannot go on. I just can't do this. Like it's that experience of being pulled to the ground and just needing to sleep. Here's the deal. You can't think your way out of that. And so you feel defeated because you're like, not on my watch am I going to be tired? Not, am I, uh, not on my watch am I going to listen to my body? I'm going to fight through this. Often, you guys know that we will often use these messages that our body's trying to send us or use these messages that our brain is trying to send us and say, like, I'm defeated. I have no control over this. You have all the control, sweet friends. I love to have this conversation that we have choice all the time. We could choose to listen to our body or we couldn't. We could choose to rest or we could choose to push through it and, and, and suffer the consequences on the other side. I want to see what you're doing and what you're making it mean and understanding the difference behind all of these conversations. Uh, this is a shout out. I'm drinking some collagen water for a little uh, pep, right? I love to look at what our body needs versus what our brains need. Okay, I, I do want to say this as well. Next month in the Courageous Life Society, we're talking about decluttering your brain, decluttering your body, and decluttering your space. Now, we're not going to do all of it. You're going to pick one when you join the Courageous Life Society or those that have you or that are members of the Courageous Life Society, because here's what I know. If you have thoughts swirling around, like you have a cluttered brain, or your body is cluttered by food that doesn't nourish you, by thought, like by extra pounds or extra, you know, um, pain. How do we help you? Or if your space is cluttered, your thoughts are going to be cluttered. Your brain's going to be cluttered. It's all, it all works together. So I want to offer this to you as well, is that the more we declutter our thoughts and our emotions, the easier it will get to be clear about what we need, to be clear about our bodies as well versus our emotions, our physical sensations versus those emotional sensations 
that we have. So often I find it fascinating. I will work with people who, and this was me. I mean, I'm like, oh, I work with people. Also, it was my lived experience. I could not tell the difference between my thoughts of hunger and my physical experience of hunger. And when you start to notice that there is a difference, when you start to understand that there is a difference, you can change your relationship. I, I'm going to skip ahead to, um, to point number, question number three, because it is, can you talk about fear versus intuition? Also, I'm not exactly sure why fear was capitalized. Just fear, ah, right? And so... Um, I, um, you know, in the cognitive behavioral world, we talk about wise mind and this, this idea that we do have this guiding intuition. And I find it fascinating because this also relates, I'm sorry, I'm just so excited that it's so hard for me to talk about this in a clear and concise way because I want to tell you all the things because I love it so much anyway, um, in, you know, I, in uh, training with um, a fabulous psychologist, Dr. Bo Forbes, um, who wrote Yoga for Anxiety and Depression, she also talks about that enteric mind, brain in our stomach. And so we're combi I'm combining cognitive behavioral therapy, this 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 yoga psych the psychology of yoga, all into one fantastic conversation right now about intuition. Because we are told that we do have a felt sense in our body that is different from the primitive brain's messages of fear, the primitive brain's messages of danger and, and overwhelm. And we are now finding, scientists are now finding that we have these gut feelings what what gut feelings with like what is this but that there is a vast web of nerves in our area of our stomach and now we are calling this the enteric system the enteric brain in our stomach it's fascinating we have two i mean scientists are now researchers are now saying like we possibly could have two brains that control our experience and i will always simplify it and just talk about our prefrontal cortex and, but just so you know there's there's more to this and it's second in complexity to the human brain but we have referred to this as the enteric brain meaning the brain in the stomach and so when we're listening for that sense of intuition when we're listening for that sense of like like uh, that gut feeling of intuition versus the experience of fear we are able to, to feel the difference. And that comes from knowing yourself, decluttering from all the fear, from all the overwhelm, from all the conflicting messages that are in your body. The only way that I can feel the difference is to be able to sit in silence. And how many of us sit in silence, right? How many of us give ourselves the time we need to, to process our emotional experience, to process the fear versus the sense of intuition and that deep sense of knowing. And I, um, I often, you know, in, in cognitive behavioral therapy, we talk about the emotion mind. 
Um, and it's Linehan from a, like a, a research study from 1993. And it, that emotion mind, it occurs when you make judgments or decisions based on how you feel and not knowing the difference. So how do we really be able to hear and understand our intuition? And how can we distinguish that from the chit-chatter that's always occurring from our primitive brain, that brain that is designed to seek pleasure, avoid pain, keep us safe, um, and, and keep us stuck? And how do you how do you feel the difference? And that comes with being aware, with being uh, uh, like committed to understanding and committed to feeling and committed to like understanding this and finding the balance between that emotional of our experience of the world and and really using that wise mind to make decisions, my sweet friends. Happy Saturday again. You know, tech difficulties happen, happened earlier, happened now, and it doesn't stop us, right? I love thinking about fear, right? Lives of courage. What's the most courageous thing you could do if something challenges you while you're trying to do a live video or something happens when you're trying to do something? Because things always happen. I am soon to um, do a podcast on why is it okay for others to fail or for our children to fail, but not for us to fail, right? We want everything to be perfect because at the end of the day, we believe that we're not good enough for what's happening in our lives. We're not worthy of, of good things to happen to us. So I love to have conversations about this and to fail publicly, right? Like, yeah, my internet somehow stopped working and I had to connect to my hotspot here in my house. You never know what's going to happen. So just offering that to you. Um, okay, I want to talk about this question that I put everyone first. Um, it is always, I hear this from so many women, that I have no time for me. I, I, I don't know what to do because other people's needs always come before me. And here's what I want to say, because this is something that really matters as well, is that when we constantly put others' needs before our own, we will never have what? The cognitive resources, the cognitive energy, the physical energy to be able to serve others, to help others. If we are continually not taking time for ourselves to, to fill our, our, our cup, to, to give ourselves what we need to have space to process our experiences, we will forever be overwhelmed and we will forever because we will continue to have thoughts and emotions that we are not worthy of time, that other people are more important than we are, that our needs are far less important than others. So when we understand that our thoughts and our emotions create the actions we take, we will never be able to change the action if we value others over our own health and our own safety. And so if you believe that you are last in line, 
you never will be able to, to change the action you take in a real and consistent manner. So let's say you have the thought, I have to take care of, of everybody else's needs. They come before my own. What emotion does that create in you? Overwhelm, resentment, right? Anger, bitterness, disappointment. And from that emotion, what action are you going to take? You're going to take care of them and put yourself last. But you will continually be bombarded with these feelings of resentment and, and overwhelm. And so when we really understand that cognitive behavioral triad, that our thoughts and our emotions create the actions we take, we get to choose. And so as you start down the path of saying, like, the only way I can take care of others is by taking care of myself first. It's that cliche, like, put on your own oxygen mask. What is it? Before, you know, I make up quotes, but I think that's a, like a, a saying. But like, you need to take care of yourself, put on your own oxygen mask before you put on others. And that, friends, is really true. And I know that at a deep level. When you have an autoimmune condition and you think, no, I've got to power through this and take care of my kids. And you run yourself down and then you have no gas left in the tank. I'm mixing metaphors right and left. I'm just living my best Saturday life, right? When you have no gas left in the tank and you're bedridden, and that's what happens to me, right? For the longest time, I tried to like overcome it. I tried to power through that and take care of others and never take time for myself, for mindfulness, for meditation, for yoga, for sitting and praying or writing down my thoughts and emotions or doing emotional freedom technique. I was like, ain't nobody got time for that, right? Here's the deal. Over time, my body, right? That physical experience of tiredness. Here we go. Back to question point number one. I was, I was exhausted and drained and sick. And not that you cause your illness. I am not saying that. But in this case, when I wasn't taking care of myself and, and doing what I like taking my vitamins and, and taking my medication, when I wasn't doing that because I had no time, of course I ended up in bed. Of course, six o'clock PM rolled around and I had dinner ready and I was like physically could not move. My legs just didn't work. So I want you to know that there are real consequences and yours might not be as dramatic as mine. I do love a good drama story, right? But it might not be that, but you over time will, will lose more steam. You'll get more bitter, more resentful. And those emotions come from the thoughts that are fueling your action. Are you choosing to put others' needs before yours? Great. Go for it. But is it an unconscious choice? And is it fueled by those unconscious thoughts that you are not worthy, that you are not good enough, that you do not matter? And so when you start to become aware, when you start to offer to yourself that you are worthy, that you deserve time just like everyone else, you change that. And here's the deal. It doesn't have to be like you take a me day, a yes day, a treat yourself day, a, 
although I do love a good treat yourself day. Thank you, Parks and Rec. But I, you need five minutes here. You need 30 minutes here. It is not this idea that you have to completely change and book in seven massages every week. And yes, that's wonderful and that's powerful and that's great, but you can also have little pockets of time. And the more you start choosing you, the more you will understand that you have so much more to give. I think as women, we are sold so many lies. And one of the lies is you have to sacrifice your own needs and your own health health because you have to take care of others. Baloney, sweet friends, baloney. And when you start changing that, those thoughts, and here's the deal. Those are thoughts, those are limiting beliefs that we pick up along the way from society, from childhood, that tell us that women are are, are made to take care of others. And we have worth in taking care of others, yes. But what if we matter too? And what does that look like for you? What does that experience of being worthy look like? I can tell you a worthy person does not run themselves ragged. Someone who has thoughts like, I am worthy. And when you have a thought, I am worthy, you have an emotion, right? Your thoughts create your emotions of like empowerment or courage or like just eagerness to, to, to pour into yourself, to take the time to write down your thoughts. And, the, and that's the action that you would take from that. And the results are that you have more energy and more to give because you choose it, not because it's being chosen for you. I, I encourage all of you to look and explore if there is any bitterness or any resentment or any annoyance or any anger because I'm going to be honest with you and please listen to me right now. My thoughts around this whole virtual schooling, homeschooling thing, got pretty, pretty angry, pretty bitter, pretty upset. Those are those were my emotions that I just described, but my thoughts were, this is unfair. It's all on me. No one else is helping with this. My husband can go to work. I work, but he gets to not have to write out all the things that need to happen in the week, the menu list, the dot. Like it was that. It was that. I haven't had those thoughts in a very long time. And I and it was fascinating to see because I didn't believe I had a choice. Coronavirus was given to all of us. But my thoughts were that this is happening to only me, of course, right? Even though I can't, I coach, I almost said counsel, I coach so many people around this, right? But it's amazing what your own brain does to you. And when you're in the weeds of it, you really do say it is only me. It's only on me. And allowing ourselves to recognize that. You name it, you tame it, right, friends? And so we're just saying, like, I have a choice here. This is not given to me. My children, I don't know. They could figure it out or they could do what they need to do in a day for one day. 
they'd be fine. Maybe not Theo. He's four. He he wanted to bathe with bullfrogs yesterday. So like, let's be clear. Bullfrog tadpoles, I should say. Like, so he would not be fine on his own. <laughs> right? He'd, he'd be, I don't know. And so I, I, I say that as a joke, but like, then you're like, but it does fall on me. It's the deal. Reach out. Say to a friend, say to a spouse, like, I'm feeling really overwhelmed here. Sometimes all we need to do is say it. Sometimes the only thing we need is for someone to hear us, to be seen. And here's the deal. Oftentimes, our dear people in our lives, our friends, our spouses, our other family members, our mothers, our mothers-in-law, they don't know how to just hear and I think that's why a trained professional is so important in these moments because others will want to problem solve. Others will want to say, take different action. But what if we could just be heard and our lives could be changed and our, ex our, our experiences could be transformed just by being seen? And here's the deal. When we do not feel worthy of being seen, we won't be seen. And so I offer this to you to just as an invitation to say like, I am worthy. I get a choice. And if your brain does, don't, it doesn't believe that you're worthy right now, you can say, I'm trying. I'm working to believe that I matter. I'm working to believe that my voice matters. I'm working to believe that my time matters. And so I'm going to make choices that demonstrate that, that change that I want to see inside of me. So when you think about this, you are offering a new way of thinking, a new way of being, and your, your, your life has changed. You are not just going through the habitual patterns, the habitual thought patterns of like, this is the way it always is. This is the way it will always be. And I think that is the work of decluttering your brain is to say like these habitual patterns do not serve me. These habitual patterns are not what I choose. Not now, not tomorrow. And so you were saying like I shed the old crappy ways that I've treated myself, that I've treated my body, that I've treated others. They do not serve me. And I choose something new. Boom. Okay, then this kind of leads to the next one. Next question. How do I deal with bad emotions? And I, like the person said bad, and I put bad in quotes, right? Because like, that make me feel terrible. Because here's the deal. Some emotions do. Like anger right? Shame, disappointment, resentment, bitterness. Those emotions probably make you feel gross. Not because we can't handle the emotions. We can handle any emotion out there. We can handle like deep fear and come out on the other side. It is the thoughts about that situation, experience that are causing you to feel just disgusting inside. And who are we to say what emotions are bad and what emotions are good? Because I believe there is a learning experience. There is a teachable moment in every emotion. 
and that we do not want to just get rid of all the bad emotions in our life. And this is a philosophical conversation that I'd love to have some other time. But when we say that I am not willing to feel this, I'm not willing to feel sadness, you're not going to feel the extreme of joy either. You're not going to be present because you're saying I can only have these emotions and they only can be, quote, good emotions. You were cutting yourself off for the whole of life. And those bad emotions like disappointment are telling you that you care enough to be disappointed, that you care enough about your parenting to feel like anger, that you care enough about performing like being a good mom, whatever that may be. So there is always good in negative emotion, in bad emotions, but it's what we make them mean. It's the thoughts that have created those. So when we feel, quote, bad emotions that make us feel terrible, we have created that. Oftentimes people will come to me and they're like, my kids make me angry. Oh, but let's be clear here. I say that. My kids are driving me nuts. No, I'm choosing to allow them to drive me crazy. I choose that by my thoughts. I choose that by my emotional experience. How do we change our, our, ourself, our lives? How do we change those bad emotions? By first recognizing they're there. We have to, to the more we resist those emotions, and we've talked about this in previous weeks, but the more we re resist our emotional experience, the more it'll just hang around and you got to keep processing it and it's just going to be there. So here's one, I have five minutes until I have a coaching call and here's what I want to offer to you. This is from Cognitive Behavioral Interventions, right? Is that you get to a place where you see your emotions and you see your thoughts in like bubbles that you're like, oh, my brain is thinking I'm not a good mother. My brain is thinking like I've really messed up here. My brain is thinking I am not good at running a business. And you see those as like you could like put them in a thought bubble. Or like, I love to um, have kids, my own children and children I used to work with or so we're like, draw their face and then draw thought bubbles and like they put their thoughts and they see that they are outside of them, that their thoughts are not who they are. And if you say like, your thought is I am not worthy. Apparently that's a theme for today that I've just decided. Hi, mommy. Is that you, you see those thoughts as separate from you. And, you know, we've talked about in, I think, three weeks ago or two weeks ago, those cognitive distortions, that you are your thoughts. When you have the thought, I am not worthy, or like, I am a failure, something you did was a failure. You are not a failure. And when you can see your thoughts as separate from who you are, you change your relationship with your, your experience, your thoughts, your emotions, your actions, and the results you get in your life. And so I, I just encourage you this week to reflect on your thoughts and your emotions as the week goes on and know that you are not those, that you are not your, quote, bad emotions. They are temporary. All your thoughts, all your emotions are temporary. 
and can be changed, but you have to acknowledge them to change them. You cannot just slap on a new thought and slap on a new emotion and be like, well, there we go. It's all better now. And so really, I offer that to you as this week's tool. You do not have to be your thoughts and be your emotions anymore. They are thoughts and emotions you have, and you can see them clearly if you separate. It's like you see them as a bubble or a cloud that just passes on through. You can pick up new ones. So what if that's our exercise for the week? What would that change for you? And that requires you to take some time, take some space. Your kids could be running crazy around you and you can be like, I'm thinking this, I'm feeling this. And there is no judgment, there is no shame, there is no anger towards yourself because you know deeply that what you are doing is changing your relationship with yourself. You are changing your relationship with your habitual patterns. Nothing has gone wrong. Those patterns, those thoughts have served you. They have given you what you needed. They have led you to this moment. And now you choose a new story. You choose new patterns and new habits. And you choose in every moment something new. It is not a one and done epiphany. It is a moment by moment choice. And when you embrace that, when you know that deep in your body, right? We're using that enteric brain system. You know that you are dramatically and deeply changed. Okay. Love you all. Happy Saturday. For those of you on the podcast, happy Friday. Um, I am so grateful to you all. Um, hugs and um, thanks for being with me even in tech challenges. Okay, sweet friends, have a great and courageous week. Don't forget, email me hello at jessicastong.com with any questions for next week. These questions are gold for me because they show me that I can serve you in, in this way. And I will always be here to help you because life is meant to be lived. Love you all. See ya. Have a great day. And as always, I want to remind you, if you want more information about how to work with me, if you really um, have heard anything on this episode that you're like, wait a minute, you can go to jessicastong.com. You can learn more information about the Courageous Life Society, a group coaching membership that really helps you take all this information and apply it. And also you can get more information about one-on-one coaching. Thank you so much and have a great and courageous week, everyone.